what do you wish most for this holiday? If you're like me, you want all W's for your favorite NFL team. Unfortunately, even Santa can't make that happen. But the Yahoo Sports mobile app can make it so you can watch those games and more right on your phone. In fact, with the Yahoo Sports mobile app, you can watch live, local, and primetime NFL games during the holidays and all season long. Never miss big matchups or your favorite team in action. What are you waiting for? Download the Yahoo Sports mobile app and may all your football wishes come true. Unless, of course, your team is playing the Bears. Ringer NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Robert Mays, joined as always by Kevin Clark. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Um, it's almost the holiday season, but as Bill Belichick said this week, Christmas comes in an inopportune time for all of us, so yeah. it, it never really feels like the holidays. No, it doesn't. Uh, it's almost Christmas time. It's everyone is sick time, me included. Uh, you can probably hear my sniffles not, right now. I'm not sick. Good, good for you, buddy. I'm very best, proud of you. The best ability is availability. Yeah, I'm never sick. The point of the training room. The point of the training room is to get out of the training room. Yeah, I I usually just one kind of dip in the hot tub and I'm ready to go. And it just hasn't been that way this week. But we're gonna power through here, and we're gonna start off this show by kind of revisiting who the actual teams to beat in the NFL are, because I feel like if we had done this a month ago, maybe even about a month, I'd say. We probably would have I said mean, the three four weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, not not a long time ago. No matter what, where the cutoff is, I think we would say the four teams to beat in the league were probably the Rams, the Saints, the Chiefs, and the Patriots. Well, and we put the Patriots in there as sort of a lifetime yeah, achievement. Award. Of course, but still, we did it, and we legislated the Pats on Sunday Night Show, so we don't have to get into them quite as much. But if you look at those four teams. Three of them lost this week, and one of them looked pretty terrible on Monday Night Football against a Cam Newton-led team where Cam Newton cannot actually play and was just shut down for the season. So uh, we don't want to be overly reactionary here. I just want to kind of look at the landscape of the league and ask two questions. One, are we missing anyone that should jump some of those teams? And two... Is this more of a wide open field than we probably gave it credit for? I mean, I would say that Monday night game, Thanksgiving, is is when we pretty much said, this is it. This is the standard. And are there more teams that could win a Super Bowl this year than we originally thought? Now, let's back up here because you said we don't want to be overly reactionary. Now, I think you can afford to be a little reactionary in this way. These teams played perfect football. For 10 weeks. They only lost, in many cases, they only lost to each other. To each other, yeah. 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 It was it was like a like an SEC or something where it was just like Alabama, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and they, so it was a class above was everything a class else. Above, and it was they defined. just lost to each other. They yes. paced the other guys. And they're not playing like that. So it's not about we're going to panic because it's a bad three weeks. It's that these teams were absolutely perfect and now they're not. And what happens next? That's fascinating to me because... I'm starting to look at the Saints right now. Last three weeks, Drew Brees, who was completing 80% of his passes at one point, who looked like the most efficient quarterback, maybe he was going to have the most efficient season ever. His quarterback rating. Surefire MVP. Oh, yeah. Just on his way. Mahomes had been playing great, but he was the favorite. Rivers wasn't even in the conversation. Exactly. Prohibitive favorite. So, do you know what his quarterback rating is? And quarterback rating is a flawed stat, but it's a pretty good indicator. Last three weeks, do you know what his quarterback rating is? Combined? Last three weeks. 
85. 77. Wow. He has three interceptions in that span point. He had two the first 11 weeks of the season. Okay. So you just start to worry what the hell is going on there. Now, the Rams. He has yet to top 203 yards. Yeah. In his in over the last month. Yes. He went full Dalton on us. Since November 18th, he has not thrown for more He's than 203 yards to in Dalton. a game. Okay, He's listen. Pivoting to Dalton. Listen. It's never a good content strategy. The Rams. We've talked about this a couple of times. How yes. sometimes you don't know who the MVP is until they're removed from the lineup. Okay. Last year, Earl Thomas left the Seahawks. The defense forgot how to play football. Aaron Rodgers, whenever he does not play for the Green Bay Packers, they look like one of the worst teams in the NFL. That has been historic over the past, historically proven over the past five, six, seven years. Who's making that kind of MVP case this year? Mr. Cooper Cup. I understand that theory. I think that their problems go a little bit deeper than losing Cooper Cup. Hey, dude, I'm just talking about Jenga pieces here. It's like, hey, all I know is I'm looking at two different Cooper teams. Cup, it's gone downhill. I'm at, so there's a couple of things. Number one, Evan Silva had this today. The pressure rate for the Rams has gone up in the last three weeks from 29% to 39%, which yes. is a huge jump. And he also pointed out that, and that's not, unless Cooper Cup was just, you know, turned into Anquan Bolden all of a sudden, I don't think his blocking had, had anything to do with it. Um, now, beyond 20 yards, in the last in that time span, golf is two of thirteen for zero touchdowns, three picks, fifty nine yards. I I I am vaguely tongue in cheek about the Cooper Cup thing. Obviously, the pressure rate has nothing to do with it, but something is wrong, and it's the same thing with the Saints. I don't know if its defense is figuring it out. I I sort of am very cautious on people saying that because I just think, you know, I've said this a million times. There's no defense for a well for a perfect pass. That's that's coaches have been saying that for 60 years. There's there's no defense against Drew Brees at his best. And I tend to think that about the Rams. So something is just wrong where they're not at their best. So the Cooper Cup thing is fine and I think that he does help them and he's their slot guy and he he, he runs a lot of those shorter routes. Robert Woods has kind of stepped into that role and Reynolds has moved outside. To me the bigger issue with the Rams is over the last three weeks, Jared Goff has used play action on 24.3% of his passes. Yeah. At one point this year, it was almost maybe 40%. Maybe Cooper Cup was the guy reminding everyone to run play action. Yeah, maybe that was it. So it, it, that it, over the course of most of the season, it was about yeah. 39%. Mm-hmm. Now it's down to 24.3%. They were far and away the most dramatic play action team in the NFL for the first half of the season. Over this stretch, the last three games, Goff ranks 15th in the NFL. On non-play action throws, he's completed 56% of his passes with one touchdown to five interceptions over the last three weeks. They've gone away from what's made them really good, and they've had to do it by necessity in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. More third downs, everything else. So I think that their problems are a little bit more fundamental than Cooper Cup. Although I do think that Cooper Cup is a very useful player. I will concede maybe that he's to you. just the fiery leader. Of maybe the that's team. what maybe that's what we're missing. I don't know. Have you ever talked to Cooper Cup? I'm not sure he's the I fiery have. leader of anything. I have. He seems yeah. like a nice man, but I'm not sure he's the emotional core of what the Rams got going. He's quite a smart dude. Um, okay, so there's a couple of things I want to talk real quick about Aaron Donald and his impact on the game. So we'll get to some of these teams later, but. Aaron Donald, I think, is one of the very few players, handful of players, who disrupts over 3% of dropbacks. That's important. But 
I was talking to, I did a story on TheRinger.com about analytics uh, that ran on Wednesday. And in the process of talking to Neil Hornsby, and he was saying that he that, that PFF has Bobby Wagner is more valuable than Aaron Donald. And I said, why Why is that? Neil Hornsby, by the way, founded Pro Football Focus. And he said, because teams have figured out that there's just a, a pretty easy way to neutralize Aaron Donald, yeah. which is get rid of the ball. Do you know when Aaron Donald was single-teamed against the Chicago Bears, the average time it took for Mitch Trubisky to throw the ball? Just guess. 0.8 seconds. <laughs> 1.5 seconds. And this is a league. single team very often. No, but, th- but That's they That's the knew other way that you can neutralize him. Is to double team him. Yes. Yeah, but if you, but I'm saying th- there's two ways to neutralize yes. him. Double team him, which creates problems elsewhere, or just single team him and get the ball out as soon as you possibly can. Absolutely. But double team him doesn't create as many problems elsewhere with the Rams as it does for most teams. Yeah. Because you don't have to worry about those guys on the edge for the most part. They do not have four threatening pass rushers on the field at any time. And whatever you think of Dante Fowler is fine, but there's a reason they had to trade for him midseason, and there's a reason he was available. The Rams' edge rushers were the weakness of this team he just outside got in a of, bunch of practice fights? Well, he just wasn't a very good player. Yeah. He's not necessary. And that's their issue, is that coming into the season, the two spots on that team that people were worried about were edge rusher and move linebacker. We should have been worried about corner, I guess, but that wasn't on anybody's mind or anybody's radar in August. And I feel like that is what teams have started not to figure out. Not only is not on anybody's radar, we thought that was their strength. Yes, the strength of the defense. So now we've reached this point where I think that overall teams are saying to the Rams, we're going to make you beat us this way. And it's by running the mm-hmm. ball and not biting on any of those fakes and motions and everything else. And it's by daring the other guys on that front four to end up beating you with the pass rush. And they haven't been able to do either one. And I think that's why they've struggled. So let's flip this on its head. We're talking about the teams that maybe aren't as bulletproof as we thought. Who's getting up there that we're not, we were not thinking about a month ago. There's obvious candidates. I mean, I, pro- I probably was thinking about them a month ago. I'm not sure everyone you've else been was. Talking, you've been thinking about them for five years. I, I think the Chargers look really good. And I feel like they've gotten better as the season's gone on. They haven't lost anybody of note outside of Denzel Perriman, really. I mean, for the most part, they're healthy. Their offensive line has been intact the whole season. We'll see what happens with Keenan Allen. They lose Melvin Gordon for a couple games, but we've talked about this a million times. How important is that? He's going to be back this week. I think that team is one to reckon with. And even outside of which teams have ascended and which teams have gotten into that conversation, I feel like... Even if you consider some of these teams outside of those four to be on the next tier, which of those teams in the next tier may be a force, maybe yeah. a team that can do something in the playoffs. And I don't know. I don't think it's crazy to put the Bears in that conversation. Mm. I don't think it's crazy to put the Steelers in that conversation if they ended up winning, mm-hmm. winning the division. Mm-hmm. If there was a point in the season where a team like the Bears, a team like the Steelers, a team like Seattle even would seem such a step down from the teams that we're talking about. And now that divide just doesn't seem as drastic to me. I totally agree with you. So there's a couple of things. Number one is that I don't, and I know we're supposed to be the experts here. We spend a lot of time trying to figure out what's going on in the NFL. After this year, and especially after the past three weeks, I don't know what matters. Because so yeah. many things. We said defense didn't matter like a month ago. 
It's still, but it still might not. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't this, know. This is, I we're, have no we're, idea. We're through the looking I, glass. Trust people. me, I hear you, we man. Through, there's so many small things. Even doing this analytic story, we I did a little bit on the the first and second down aggressiveness. On second down this year, NFL teams are passing for half a yard more per attempt than they were last year. That's a massive change. Yeah. I mean, that, that's just like I'm not even sure anyone. Like over 32 teams, over thousands and thousands of passes, teams are getting a half yard more per attempt. And so I, I just I, changes the complexion. It of the changes game. the complexion of the game yeah. without a doubt, without a doubt. And so you just start looking at what matters. Okay, so does defense matter? I don't know. It looks like mm-hmm. the Chicago Bears are making it matter. It looks like in some spots when they're not playing the Colts that the, the, mm. the Dallas Cowboys are making it look like it matters. The Ravens are making it now, matter pretty the consistently. Ravens, the Ravens have a pass defense. The Saints need their defense to win games at this point. The Saints need their defense. We're going to get to that. But then just beyond that, the Texans have a terrible offensive line. Davenport has basically put Deshaun Watson in harm's way. Yes. I mean, he's the not only the only person, either. No, but he is the only person who gives up more pressures than Colton Miller last time I checked in the NFL. John Gruden stays killing it. it it's, it's, I, the Texans have a bad offensive line, but again, we're about to find out. We're about to spend a month finding out what matters in 2018, and that's really exciting. My second thing I want to address is that I'm really excited if the Chargers get the one seed to see how many visiting fans there will be if they play in the AFC Championship game, the Patriots, or God forbid, the Steelers. Oh my God, Could the Steelers would be a disaster. Ima- I talked yeah. to Pat Muldowney, Steelers fan Pat Muldowney, in the way here we were talking about it. He said it was 70% uh, Steelers fans when they just played a regular game in San Diego. The AFC Championship game. Yeah, yeah and now— Even worse. Oh, good Lord. But If the right. weather's nice— And so you you mentioned Houston, uh-huh. and that's a team I didn't even throw out there before. Well, Houston they might probably be the, deserves they might to mention get the this buy. conversation. Exactly. So if, if you were to just kind of do like a haphazard power ranking of these mm-hmm. teams, just to, you know, just slap dash, let's, let's figure it out. Would you still have— the Rams, the Saints, and the Chiefs in some order at the top. Yes, only because I've seen them do it all year. I don't know. I would feel very gun-shy right now, but I don't know what's happening. We said this last week. If the Rams can't take advantage of the Eagles' defense, something is wrong. They couldn't. Something is wrong. That's what I'm saying, is that I feel like the Rams would still be in the top four to me, but I feel better right now about the Chargers than I do about the Rams. Because you, how good can you feel about the way that Jared Goff is playing quarterback right now mm-hmm. and compare that to how you feel about Phillip Rivers right now? That's a pretty big chasm to me. And that's why if all other things being equal and they're not equal, the Chargers offense or the, excuse me, the Chargers defense is better than the Rams offense. I don't understand why I should feel more excited about the Rams playoff chances than I do about the Chargers playoff chances right now. I guess the only thing if we get into the seating and all of that, that would be different is that the Chargers will most likely be a wildcard team playing on the road. The Rams still will win their division and host a playoff game. But just to, in a vacuum, if we're just saying which of these teams is better right now, I think it's the Chargers. I don't think that's a crazy thing to say. It's a three-week span now. It's not one game for the Rams. Let's do a thought experiment. The Rams against the Cowboys, the Rams against the Bears. Who are you... 
what, what put percentages on how confident you are on the Rams beating both of those teams, e- either of those teams, like separately. I would feel better about the Rams beating the Cowboys. But what what percentage would you put on seventy five? No, less than that. Oh, no, yeah. But you said so you put it seventy five a month ago. Yeah, I would have put it seventy five a month ago. I don't know, maybe sixty five, sixty eight, and but then it'd be less with the Bears. Yeah, the yeah. Bears just dismantled no, their offense on national. Television. I'm talking about in a playoff game in Los Angeles. I would which, feel very which good. is where it would be. I I I think the Bears. I absolutely could win that game. Okay. I mean, it's very likely that that game will happen if the Bears win their first playoff game. And the so, Rams will, so, so not likely. I guess so. Yeah. The Bears so lose to Minnesota, yeah. none of this will matter. But I, that game does not feel that daunting to me. And maybe that'll come back you know, to haunt me. But it, with the way they've played over the last three weeks, why would it? Even outside of my own kind of personal tunnel vision, why would that game be intimidating to you? We saw what the Eagles just did to them on their home field. I mean, that was a game where the Eagles were in control for almost all of it. Yeah. Dude, you're feeling it. Maze heat it. check. Trust me. It, it, this has more to do with the way the Rams have looked than how I feel about the Bears. I mean, Trubisky in a road playoff game and most likely two is not something you want to deal with. But again, I think that's the spirit of this conversation is just that none of these games mm-hmm. on paper, mm-hmm. the going to the Superdome, the go and the Superdome still was terrifying just for other reasons. That's a home stadium that the Saints played well and everything else. But going to LA, that just doesn't seem as scary as it did a month ago. It doesn't seem, it's not even close. All right. Should we get to the games or take shop? Let's get to take shop. So here's my take shop. And this is born of the list that came out yesterday that are just an absolute travesty. Why is there a Pro Bowl? Oh, yeah. Like, we should just do away with the Pro Bowl. What is the argument for well, it existing? it gets better ratings than, like, everything that's not football. Couldn't we put anything NFL-related on there? I just— Is that true? It, it, I, well, I know. I, I don't—I yeah, I know. I think you need, like, a game. I guess that's the reason. It's not a good enough reason for me. First, and this is nothing is, against— you know, I, I, you know what it's like for me? And I, I have to watch every football game, so it's hard—and you do, too. So it's hard for us to—, to, to to put ourselves in the shoes of fans. But what I, what I say is this. I am a viewer of, of the golf channel or like Fox Sports with the UFC stuff, right? Or boxing. I will watch any sport that I like at any level of any, with any, with any talent involved. Did like, you watch the Pro Bowl? No. Oh, I'm traveling all the time. But what I'm saying is if you're a fan, you just want to see action of the thing you like. I do not it's, watch the Pro Bowl. Okay, Even when I, I am I'm always, seated, I'm always, try, I'm always getting ready for the Super Bowl. So, so it's hard usually for me. I am too. But there are moments, and there have been years where I am in front. I am on a couch, or I'm in a hotel room, and the Pro Bowl could be on. What I'm saying, I is, do not turn it on. What I'm saying is, like, if there's like a boxing match, or a UFC card, or a Formula One race, or a golf, things that have nothing to do with my work. That that's the reason I'm saying these. Like, obviously, NBA might have to do something with my work. Things that have nothing to do with my work. It doesn't matter how good it is. I'll just turn it on for ten minutes. But that's interesting. The Pro Bowl's not interesting, though. It's not interesting no, in any it's way. it's interesting to you because it's the thing you like. It's not interesting to me, though. I, we, we cover it for a living. I don't understand how anyone can think the Pro Bowl is Except interesting. The, somehow it rates better than, like, like everything. It's a, it is a terrible sporting event. It nothing. This is nothing against Orlando, but at least the players used to get a trip to Hawaii. And that's reason enough. Eight it's point, free trips last to Hawaii. Last year, 8.6 million people watched it. That's terrifying 8. to me. 8.6 million people don't watch anything. And so here is the other side of this. It's not just about the quality of the product, which is objectively terrible. It's about 
how misleading the Pro Bowl is because yeah. people use the Pro Bowl as a way to prop up players and they use it as an accolade and as a means to measure how good a player is actually is. And it's not that. Mitchell Schwartz and David Bakhtiari are respectively the best right and left tackles in the NFL this season, and they did not make the Pro Bowl. Chris Jones— Rodney Hudson. Rodney Hudson also did not make the Pro Bowl. Chris Jones has 13 sacks this year for the Chiefs, Mm -hmm. a a team that could not have higher standing in the NFL as it currently stands. And he did not make the Pro Bowl. I just don't get why we have—if anything— if the Pro Bowl has to exist, which I really don't think it should or has to, then why do we have a fan vote? Why is that part of how this is going? It, it just feels like it should either be a joke or we should take it really seriously. And the middle ground here, I just feel like we're losing so much. And no one should ever use Pro Bowl appearances ever again as a way to evaluate a player, player's career, but people are still going to. And I just, I don't know. I hate the Pro Bowl and I want everything about it to change. I wish there was a way for the Senior Bowl to be played instead of the Pro Bowl. Sure, let's do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wish there was a way to have like college prospects It's the involved. same, it's the same week. Well, no, yeah. But I'm just saying like, we should, ha- we should have like, the players can parade around or whatever and we can have like, you know, Gronk like on the sideline or whatever, but I'd I think I think it, from our perspective about learning what's going on in football, it'd be more interesting to see. You know, yes, I would much like rather that. just have the Senior Bowl be the crown jewel of that weekend than a makeshift All Star game that no one actually cares about and only watches because it's on. The only thing anyone's ever talked about with the Pro Bowl is the Sean Taylor hit. Yeah, that's it. It's the one good. And Pro also, Bowl moment. Marcus Mariota used to go and get autographs, and that's why he signs all the autographs now. That is the only good Pro Bowl moment. And it, this is not true of all All-Star games. The NBA All-Star game has been great so, at times. And the NFL has never a, had that. There's a there's a like a joke we have around the office. The only reason baseball exists anymore is to be a part of an anecdote about football. So like Patrick Mahomes. Like without baseball, there's no Patrick Mahomes narrative, right? And uh, I kind of feel like the That's Pro Bowl... That's not fair. Is like, yeah, no, I know. It's, uh, it's true. So... Um, the the Pro Bowl is like that too, where it's just like you you just get like every year you get a crazy Pro Bowl anecdote. Like Dave Hyde, the Sun Sentinel columnist, once reported that Belichick tried to steal signals of the Pro Bowl. Like no one watches the Pro Bowl. There's just crazy stories that come it's out of it. Just just, few, it just, just pushes content. anecdotes That's forward. All. all right, what's your talk, what's your take up for the week? So I want to talk about a story I saw on the internet about a guy who says he doesn't know if Sunday is his final home game of his career. He doesn't want to play anywhere else, but he'd be a pretty good pickup. He's a free agent. I think that Larry Fitzgerald should go play for the New England Patriots. I mean, I'd be into that. Do they really need another aging, kind of slow receiver, though? Is that what the Pats are really missing? First of all, it hasn't shocked Belichick before. That's a good point. Why stop now? I don't know. That would bum me out, I guess. For what reason? It would be fun to see him chase a championship, I guess. They need weapons. Let Larry do whatever he wants. I've always supported him. Let him do whatever he wants. He he said he doesn't want to... He doesn't want to play anywhere else. He kind of... He he said that. It was paraphrased, but then he said, why would I want to play anywhere? That kind of thing. So it seems like he's ruled it out. He's going to be a free agent. He's 35 years old. It's about 700 yards this year. I mean, for the worst offense in the NFL, the those, those the numbers NFL. are 
his, mean, his, those his, are not Larry's fault. His yards per reception is actually the highest it's been since 2015. Let's just do it. I'd be into it. It'd be kind of fun. I would like to see him just do one more round with an actual quarterback. Although I think Josh Rosen can be pretty good eventually, but we're no never going to find that. out. No time for that. Yeah, this <laughs> Larry's on borrowed time. That's very true. I'm into it. I, I don't Let's just, go. Or like any sort of contender. I'd be down to... Well, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think the Patriots just don't have a lot of weapons. And now, I mean, I'm not saying Larry Fitzgerald would be that, but I'm saying that he wouldn't be seventh on the depth chart. No. Like, you put Larry Fitzgerald on the Chiefs and there's a playing time problem. Yeah, that's a good point. There are plenty of teams you could play for, though. I would like to, you know who would be a fun combination? The Saints. No, you put Larry in Cleveland with Baker. Yeah, but we need, like him, we need him to win the Super Bowl. I know, I know, I know. It it's, defeats the purpose here, but like, there you're, are teams now you're just I would putting like him with people about. who are just like Josh. I mean, obviously, Baker's much better than Rosen, but I'm just saying, like, it, it, we're not oh, Baker. Larry Fitzgerald with Baker would be awesome. I understand that, but we need him to get him back into the Super I know, Bowl. I know. You're not saying that you're, you, th- you don't think the Browns are going to the Super Bowl next year? With, with, uh, with, with full time head coach Greg Williams. <laughs> That's the only way they're getting there, man. Freddie Kitchens. I mean, why would you go anywhere else at this point? Uh, all right, I'm into it. I, I I could support this, even though it does feel weird, and I don't know if I'd like seeing him in New England. I just want Larry to be happy. Well, I, th- we haven't mentioned. We know this, and it's so obvious to us that we haven't even discussed it. Bill Belichick is in love with Larry Fitzgerald. Yes, in he is love. I've written a story about it. I wrote Talk last it. year about how Bill Belichick has a series of players that are just yeah. his all time crushes, yeah. and Larry Fitzgerald is very much on that list. The others include Ed Reed. Ed Reed is, I think, number one. Ed Reed is the player that Bill Belichick always wished he would have coached. Who else is on the list? Let me look it up now. But Ed Reed and Larry Fitzgerald were definitely one and two all time in my mind. And I mean, Peyton Manning got, got Peyton a lot Manning. Of he's gushed about Peyton. Oh, you know what the other one was? He loved uh, Jason Taylor. Oh yeah. Peyton knew. Wait, he <laughs> got. Didn't he get Jason Taylor? Jason Taylor. Did Jason Taylor not do ten minutes on the Patriots? I don't think he ever did. Look, I'm looking into this. No, I don't think he ever did. He did not. He went. Dolphins, Redskins, Dolphins, Jets, Dolphins. Bill Belichick, Jason Taylor was the player I coached against the most times and may also be the one who ruined the most games, so his retirement is met with some mixed reactions in New England. Bill Belichick loved watching Jason Taylor so much, even if it meant Jason Taylor destroying the Patriots. Nice dancing, huge dancing with the stars section on Jason Taylor's Wikipedia page. <laughs> I think he, his career will be remembered in a weird way. He was a really, really good player. He was a very, very good player. He just played for some crappy, crappy teams. All right, let's get to the biggest three games of the week, and let us start with the Steelers at the Saints. Again, three weeks ago, I think we would have said, uh, you know, the Steelers are fine. The Saints mm-hmm. are one of the best teams in the league. Is this really a marquee game? Mm-hmm. And now they have definitely kind of converged in the middle here. So, Well, the Saints are just a different team. Yes. They scored 12 yes. points on Monday night. Since Field Yates tweeted this out, since week 10, so essentially midway point of the season, the Saints are first in the NFL in yards, in, excuse me, in points allowed, third in yards allowed, first in sacks, third in turnovers forced. That's the defense. Yes. I know. They were 27th in points until that period. Now, I sat here and I talked about how the Saints defense improved so much last year that it can't possibly happen again this year. I mean, they regressed intensely for the first like month and a half of the season. And now they're coming back. Last year. No, it was two games. Dude, they went from they went from like they had a very similar like 27th 
to first kind of deal. They finished in the top 10 of defense. Oh, I know they did last yes. year. I think they finished eighth. Yeah. But it, the swoon was not nearly as long as it was to start this season. It didn't last season. nine weeks. No. It was a gradual improvement. When Marshawn Lattimore came back, they hit they the woke ground up. running. The Saints defense is John Wick. They were just like, what? Here we go. I'm thinking I'm back. And then now they're just they're just first. I mean, they're in playing extremely well. But I mean, now they're playing against who's the best offense they've played over that stretch? I guess, I guess that's my question. Because it feels like the Steelers might fit that Steelers bill. Are pretty good. Well, they played the Rams, but was that early? Was that too, was that, I think it was after the Rams? Points game. To the yeah. Rams. So then you go Bengals, Eagles, Falcons, Cowboys, Bucks. Who have put up some points? The Falcons have too. But the Falcons that was kind of in their I mean, downturn the as Falcons, well. The Falcons have have pivoted towards not. So I mean, I, you could probably say they've that the Steelers are the best offense that they played over that stretch. Yeah. So we'll see what happens this week. Yeah. But on the other side, it feels like you know when you have the Saints' offense, it's struggling a little bit. You go against a Carolina team that's really given up some big games in the air, through the air. Their corners have had some issues this season. And then the Saints can do nothing on offense. I know Michael Thomas had some throws called back and everything else. But it still wasn't just this marching up and down the field we probably expected. The Steelers have had the same issues. Their corners have had some down games. Teams have moved the ball on them passing-wise. And we'll see if it can happen. Because yeah. it should, but... Again, there have been a couple of recent examples where it just hasn't come to fruition. And I guess that's what I'm waiting for. Like against a decent matchup, can the Saints do anything? And I just don't know. I just don't know when this is going to be righted. Could you imagine? One thing I'm excited about is that the Saints offense didn't keep pace while the defense got elite. Otherwise, we just shouldn't have played the playoffs. Yes, it'd be over. <laughs> Thank God one side of that fell off. Thank the Lord. Uh, yeah. I mean, Marshawn Lattimore against Antonio Brown is fun. Yeah. But again, I mean, you, I think that's one, that's the biggest issue here is that I think this is not surprising to say most teams don't have two receivers like the Steelers do. And you don't have two Marshawn Lattimores. And it feels like this is a game where either, let's say they try to put Lattimore on Juju and bracket Brown. I mean, you know, the, the Patriots have done that a bunch. Or they just say, all right, Marshawn, you have Antonio Brown. It feels like this is the type of game where Juju could have a monster day just because you know nothing about those other Saints corner scares right. you. Yeah. No, I, I think this is this is a very fascinating matchup because I really want to see where these two teams are at. And if the Saints lose, I mean, there's no guarantee they get home field advantage still. They're except, tied with the Rams. The Rams just but the Rams are playing terrible teams the last two weeks. Yeah, they're playing the Niners and the Cardinals. The Rams look terrible. I understand that. But they're playing the Niners and the Cardinals. This is the type of the, week dude, where... Dude, have you Saints, seen the Eagles this year? <laughs> I'm not ready to say the Rams are that bad. I'm, st- I'm still prepared to say that the Rams are better than the Niners and the Cardinals. Yeah, I'm, I'm prepared to say the Rams are better than the Cardinals. I'm just saying the Eagles looked like their season was over. And now I'm... That was the biggest. I've, 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 I'm just searching through Stone Cold Steve Austin gifts for my for Nick Foles' comeback. Well, all right, let's get to that then. The oh, Texans yeah. go to Philadelphia, and I think that this is the type of game where the Nick Foles train could keep riding a little bit. Let's do this because all right. So let me lay this out. What is the Texans' biggest weakness? Uh, their offensive line. Yes. What do the Eagles do extremely well on defense? Get after the ball. That's correct. It feels like Deshaun Watson is going to be running for his life for the majority of this game. What did we see last week that the Eagles can do against a secondary that's pretty tattered? Uh, 
take advantage of it. Yes, move the like throw the ball downfield. What do does every single defensive back? Out, I mean, I, the safeties are decent in in, in Houston, but their yeah. their other corners, yeah. outside of Kareem Jackson, have had a really rough season. I mean, John the Joseph's been fine, but they're they've had some issues with those other corners. Yeah, I feel like if they want to throw the ball downfield, it may be there for the Eagles on Sunday. There is a recipe for the Eagles to beat this team, even though the Texans are much better than them. Okay. Okay. Am I getting a little ahead of myself with You're this not. Nick Foles thing? You're not. All right. You can tell me if I am. What does Nick Foles have to do? I don't want to go full talk radio here. What does Nick Foles have to do to create a quarterback controversy? Win the Super Bowl again. Win the Super Bowl. Yes. What if he gets to the NFC Championship? Game? No. Okay. I think he has to win the Super Bowl again. Okay. Because then what do you do? About the $20 million? If he wins two Super Bowls, right. what do you do? I, I mean, I, he, Even at that point, I rank him above Aaron Rodgers in the Pantheon <laughs> wow. with, his, with his one Super Bowl. Wow. And I always love my favorite thing for years, and younger people may not get this because it's, it's, it's been four years since we did this. The cranky columnist Eli is better than Peyton because Eli has two Super Bowls great. and Peyton has it's one. Great. It was one of Until my favorites. Until the second Super Bowl, People talked about that all yeah, the time. Yeah, it was like a real thing. It was yeah. the dumbest thing. Well, I mean, I'm sorry. I judge my quarterbacks by Super Bowls. That's always how I've judged mine. Oh, hey, but even God. if we just kind of admit. No, I, I think, I think they, they would just trade him. If you want another Super Bowl. I think so. Right? Or do you keep him around to win a yeah. third Super Bowl when Wentz gets hurt next December? I think this is dumb. And I feel like, again, there is almost no circumstance in which Carson Wentz is not the quarterback there. Uh-huh. But if he won it again, I just don't know how you'd react to that. At a certain point, Howie Rosen's probably sitting there like, what the fuck? Like, what am I supposed to do I think you this? just keep him around so he just wins the Super Bowl every I guess year. so. I mean, maybe just pay him the $20 million and make him the backup quarterback. Well, I quarterback. think you pay him $20 million because he accidentally won you two Super Bowls. Yes. It's like when, they, when the Yankees gave Derek G, or like Kobe Bryant deal. Right at the end there, it was just insanely bad contract. Yeah, maybe you just cut other guys and just keep Nick Foles just around. Just keep him around. Because at a certain He's point— He's a good vibe guy, Yeah, apparently. I guess so. Because, I mean, if you're sitting there like, the guys won two Super Bowls, can we really just trade them or cut them? I don't—it would be the most bizarre thing. I do not anticipate it happening. But, but again, this is—so I think this is the type of game the Eagles can win. But I don't necessarily think that says a lot about the Texans' hope moving forward. I think mm-hmm. it can be a bad matchup, and Philly has strengths that can take advantage of where the Texans are bad. But the Texans need this game. Yeah. Because if the Patriots have smooth sailing here, they play the Bills and they play the Jets, correct? Mm-hmm. They should win both of those games no matter how bad they look right now. And the Texans really would love to have that bye. That goes without saying. Mm-hmm. But they need to win this game in order to do that. I saw a stat. They play the Jags in week 17. They, sh- they the Jags are not a real team anymore. They beat the Colts. The Jags are not a real team anymore. Hey. You seen the quotes coming out of Jacksonville? I, I think they're all set. I have. Um Leonard Fournette's their kick returner now. Hey. Did you, did you bruiser? Might as well bruiser. try it out, I guess. Hey. Uh, Your $8 million kick returning. Do back. you know by Pro Football Focus's wins above replacement who the most valuable non-quarterback in the NFL is? DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. That's not surprising to me. Who would you say it is if you just had to guess? I don't know. Their metric really, really, really values first downs. So 
a lot of efficiency yeah. metrics in the NFL. Well, value turns out that, first downs are incredibly important. Yeah, they're really it matters. You're gonna want you get em. to keep the ball. You're gonna you want them. Yeah, that's a good. The note was that. Yeah, you, that's gonna be your next story about analytics in the NFL. I mean, it's just gonna that's be. That's kind of what I wrote today. First downs, you're gonna want them. Yeah, it's kind of what I wrote today. I mean, just as far as you know, in the same way, baseball they figured out like let's not sacrifice bunt. Yeah, because we have 27 <laughs> outs, we don't waste any. Football teams have figured out like, wait, we have 10 drives a game. We should try to make those count. Yes. And that's the thing. I mean, every time I see a team just line up and run on first and 10 yeah. for two yards, it just drives me crazy now. I'm not saying you need to throw every time on first down because— I kind of am. Well, then, you know, the pendulum swings well, and everything else. Well, I mean, else, yeah, I mean, you just, can, you, if you can gain easy eight yards, go ahead. Yeah, it's just—I I feel like we're not there yet. Teams are not Rivers ready for everyone to throw on first, down. on first down. Who? Philip Rivers. Yes. I mean, Philip Phil Rivers. Te- teams should be throwing the ball, I don't know, 70% of the time anyway. So that, by extension, will include first down mm. more often than it has in the past. I can understand why Hopkins would be yeah. the most valuable because not only about the production and the statistical stuff, but just think about the anecdotal element of that yeah. and how many contested catches there are, the way that Deshaun can just put the ball up. I mean, outside of him, I mean, let's just let's process by process of elimination. What positions could even be in the conversation for that? Pretty much pass rushers and pass catchers, right? Those would be the only two. Well, as we've discussed, PFF actually has pass coverage more important than pass rush. Because, okay, so because, corners are in there for that. Oh, well, Bobby Wagner is more valuable than uh, Aaron Donald because Bobby Wagner is a, is, can... Because he covers people. He covers people and he does a million other things. That's so interesting. the reason is because you cannot take Bobby Wagner out of the game. Yeah, Whereas you can't take Aaron Donald out of the game. You feel free to read it. It's on the website. I saw it. I have not read it yet, though. I was in the car for the last two hours. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. Sounds like you had plenty of time to read in the yeah, car. I guess so. Uh, yeah, it's. I can completely understand that. Yeah. I, I would probably throw those two positions in there. And then if you have a corner or, or some sort of defensive player that actually plays pass coverage, that's understandable. Yeah. But it's not surprising to me that Hopkins gets that, especially with the way he's played this year. Mm-hmm. All right, last one here. Ravens at Chargers. This is a Saturday game, which is very fun because... I like when some of the good games are not all on Sunday. So when was the last time there was a Saturday game that didn't sneak up on you? Uh, let's talk about that because this week, this past week, it snuck up on me so much that I woke that up on Saturday started. and did oh. not remember that it was happening. Oh, no, that the game started. Uh, the oh, first I, game. It, was, it was after that. Texans, Jets, and I was just like, oh. I was in Los Angeles. I was. I planned a little nice day for myself. I was going to go to Venice. Yeah. I was going to enjoy the day. I was in Santa Monica. And I was driving out there, and I was yeah. just like, oh, shit. I actually saw the favorite first, which was great, by the way. And Where'd you see it? Arclight. What time? 11 o'clock. I saw it the previous... I probably... I saw it, like, late the previous night. We would have seen each other. There you go. And there was a guy... Patrick Crawley from NFL Network was there, too. There it is. It was great. I just ran into him. So anyone associated with football... <laughs> So, so I, I, I saw, the, I saw the, the movie, and I was my plan was to go to Venice, and then I realized as I was walking out of the movie, oh shit, an NFL game starts in yeah. ten minutes. It was great. It was a nice little surprise. I got to watch the Jets and the Texans play, but uh, yeah, they always sneak up on me. But this is a good one. This is a very good one and a very important one. And the Ravens need this to stay keep pace in both the AFC North and the wild card, and the Chargers still can win the one seed. I mean, this is a very good football game. It's proof. Uh, Vincent Verhey at Football Outsiders. Lamar Jackson has 120 passing yards and 60 rushing yards in each of his five starts this year. The single season record is six. 
you know, when would it even happen before? Randall like, Cunningham, RG3, Russell Wilson. Michael Vick? Cam Newton. Michael Vick. He has tied Michael Vick already. I mean, it's a very small array of quarterbacks we've ever seen. And in that, that time, he like points this. out in that time, he's 26th in passing yards. Fifth in rushing yards. So I'll be curious to see how the Chargers deal with this because for the most part, the issues that the Chargers have in terms of their holes on defense mm-hmm. are about what they have up front. Yep. They lost Corey Legion for the season. They lost Perriman. Both of those guys were pretty instrumental in their run defense. They're 18th in run defense right now, ninth against the pass. If there's one spot where you can really take advantage of this team, it's on the ground. Mm-hmm. And that's what we've seen the Ravens do. Wait, did the Chiefs get a 100-yard receiver against them? No, because Kelsey only had 60. Yeah. Hill didn't have a big game. No, he did. He had 139 yards. Oh, Hill, Hill did. So Hill, really? Hill, Hill is the only receiver this year to was, cross rem- 100 yards. I'm remembering that game very weirdly, I guess. You've Mandela effect. Yeah, somehow. Because I I mean, Mahomes game. didn't have a monster day, and I know Kelsey didn't you know have what's a big funny? game. So. Do you know what's funny? I watched that game, and I thought Mahomes did not have a monster day. Patrick Mahomes had 377 passing yards. He only just threw two touchdowns. I guess that's why I'm thinking it. Well, it's very, I've said this before. It's very like Tebow when he was at Florida, where it's like quiet day for Tim Tebow. He only had two rushing touchdowns and two passing touchdowns. (laughs) Our our standard has just become completely impossible. They were like the the Gators would put up 42 points against Arkansas. (laughs) That's really funny. What's wrong with the Gators? Have a big game and he had 377 points. What I'm saying is, I was with you. I was with you. Yeah. But I happened to be staring at 377 yards. Oh, that's amazing. What are we doing here? Uh, so that that part of it is interesting to me. And then this Chargers offense against the Ravens defense, man. I, I mean, the Ravens have had the second best defense in the NFL by most metrics this year. The Chargers are, if not the second best offense right now in the league, then the third best offense. Yeah. This is an incredible clash. And I was I was meeting with the Chargers a little bit this week, and they were talking about it with Philip Rivers yesterday. It's actually kind of fun because I think this is the first time that Philip Rivers will play against Eric Weddle. And they were teammates for a decade. And like that's a nice little chess match on the back end. And with the way the Rivers is playing right now, I think that I really would love to see kind of him against a measuring stick like this Ravens def- defense presents. Yeah, I mean, and that's how I felt. I felt that way about the Ravens a couple of times this year where they can stop the pass, and it's really great to see. Look them. what they did against the Chiefs. 377 yards. And I think that with the biggest difference yeah. this season with the Chargers offense mm-hmm. outside of just the play of Phillip Rivers in general has been their rushing efficiency. Because if you look at Melvin Gordon's numbers for the most part this season, he has struggled or the yeah. most part in his career, he has really struggled to run the ball efficiently. Less than four yards a carry for his career coming into this season. He's over five yards a carry this year. And can they find similar rushing efficiency against one of the best rush defenses in the NFL? Baltimore's sixth in rush defense DVOA. They're a really hard team to run against. And if the Ravens, if the Chargers can find success on the ground against them, then I think they're really dangerous come playoff time. Other interesting little nugget is that the Ravens are number one in the league in DVOA against running back pass catches. And that's, again, been a huge part of what, the Chargers have done when Gordon has been in the game. They love throwing him the ball and the Ravens are excellent at shutting that down. They can take away Gordon on the ground and through the air. I think that that's really what Rivers wants to do a lot when Gordon's in the game. And I think that that's going to kind of tie one hand behind their back. Yep. All right. I'm going to do my sneaky truth now. Okay. 
Let's do it. I want to talk about the Browns coaching situation. I'm shocked. Let's, let's, let's hear it. There's a lot of takes out there that Freddie Kitchen should either be the head coach or be retained as offensive coordinator. One thing, I saw Joe Banner tweet, tweet, tweet about this on Wednesday, and I, I think it's an interesting point. You can't, and it's something you've talked about as well, you cannot build a staff thinking your offensive coordinator is going to stay forever. No. If you hire someone, I mean, I don't think they're actually going to hire Greg Williams. But if you hire him and say, well, if we they can do, keep we should, Freddie Kitchens. We should contract the Browns. Freddie Kitchens might get a head coaching job this year. Yeah. I mean, you have to, you, what has to happen in Cleveland is it has to be an offensive play caller. That's the only, we've seen that. And I, this I would say. This is my say, argument every time. You no, know, I'm with you on this one. And, and what I would say on this, I, I, I don't agree. We, we had the Steve Wilkes discussion. I do think Vic Fangio, there are places where that can work. I mean, I, I think Green Bay is actually. But let's, let's play this out though. Okay. If you, if, if the Packers hire Vic Fangio uh-huh. and let's throw out whatever name might get a head coach or a offensive coordinator job this year. Uh-huh. Let's just, you know what? Let's say Freddie Kitchens for argument's sake. Let's if say the Fre- Packers. Sure. Made him. Yeah. Player. Hypothetically. Let's say the Packers hire Freddie Kitchens next year as their offensive coordinator. Let's say the Packers score 32 points a game with Freddie yeah. Kitchens as their offensive coordinator next season. Yeah. What happens the next year? He goes and coaches the uh, Miami Dolphins. Yes. Which- so then you're back at square one. Yeah. And this is one of the cruxes of my argument for hiring offensive-minded head coaches that are your play callers. You sure. cannot lose them. But what I'm saying is, is that some places the offensive play calling matters more than others. Okay. You know, Pete, yeah. Pete, Pete Doherty, Pete Doherty, actually, the Packers writer had a great piece the other day that was just like, just have Aaron Rodgers call a place. That's not how that works. Oh, well, you ever, you ever looked into Peyton Manning's career? Yeah, um, that's one example. Um, <laughs> Josh McDaniel still calls the plays over there in, in yeah, New England. So, and, uh, all right, but, what I'm saying is that the most important thing in Cleveland right now is unlocking Baker Mayfield. And yes. I would say, I don't think that it's almost, we have this conversation about offensive minds all the time. I don't think Freddie Kitchens is uniquely qualified to unlock Baker Mayfield. I think he's just a competent offensive coach and Baker Mayfield is ready to be unlocked. So That's I, a really good argument. I don't know how I feel about this. I could go either way. You think way. that out of I all think- the humans on earth, Freddie Kitchens, is who is the running backs coach until you know, week nine, you think he is the best person to coach Baker Mayfield. I don't know if he's the best one, but I think that you couldn't just throw anyone in that but job. But I think if you're John Dorsey, you say, who is the best person on the planet to sure. coach Baker that, Mayfield? I totally Let's agree with you. Let's go get him. But, I, okay, that is fine. But, I, and I, I, that's exact mode of thinking I would follow if I were John Dorsey in this situation. But I still think the job that Freddie Kitchens has done in Cleveland warrants him getting a similar job elsewhere. If that makes sense. He, uh, as an offense coordinator. Yes. Yes. Hey, he might be an offensive coordinator for the Browns under an offensive head coach. Sure. That, yes. I would rather, well, isn't that kind of defeating the purpose? Then you say you want an offensive head coach no, that's a play caller? Yeah, no, no. But I'm just saying he can stay around and just make a <laughs> million dollars a year. That's, I'm not sure he's going to be doing that. I'm pretty sure he's going to want a play calling job after what's what happened What if he doesn't get it? CTC, weeks. cut the check, brother. I, I assume that he's going to get a play calling job no, elsewhere. Course. And I do believe— I'm saying if I'm the Browns, and he, if he wanted to stay, he could stay. Sure, that's how I feel about Vic Fangio. Here's yeah. $8 million. You want to be our Pete Carmichael Jr.? Go that, ahead. That's kind of where I'm sitting. So— I I, I, mean, I hear you, and I, maybe he's not the best guy, but I do feel like that list of guys that could 
kind of coax what they have out of Baker Mayfield over the last five or six weeks, it's not as long as most, some people may think it is. That list is finite. And I think that Freddie Kitchen has proven that his name is on that list. Give me your geeks out. We were going to pick, I, was, I wanted us to pick our personal Pro Bowl rosters. Oh my God. Wait, I didn't know I was doing this. Yeah. Just your three guys that, you, that are you, in your heart, the Pro Bowlers of your heart this season. So guys who, whether they're Pro Bowlers or not, are on our Pro Bowl team. Yes, they're the Pro Bowlers of your heart, as Danny Kelly said yesterday on Twitter. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, like Jalen Ramsey was that for me last year. Yes, exactly. Where I'm just like, exactly. God damn, I love that Jalen Ramsey exists. Exactly. So I would say that number one on my list this season by far is Eddie Jackson. I well, just that's an inside job. I mean, I'm just saying I have I've absolutely loved watching Eddie Jackson play this year. And Khalil Mack is just too easy. Yeah. He's, he's Khalil Mack. The the style of play that Eddie Jackson has and just that pick he had against Detroit, that will be so far, I think that's my favorite Bears play of the season. Just because it wasn't a tipped ball. You know, it wasn't something where there was a deflection and he grabbed it and he ran it for a touchdown. That was Ed Reed type shit. And it was so fun to see a guy kind of ascending to that moment. And Ed Reed even like said something to him on Twitter later that week. I mean, it was just one of those things where yeah. it's so cool having a defensive player that is liable to score a touchdown every single time he's on the field is one of the most fun things about football. And Eddie Jackson is that right now. And it's just been such a blast. That's why I was kind of heartbroken when it looked like he might not play again this year after getting hurt at the end of that Packers game. And the fact that it looks like he's going to be back is just makes me so, so happy. So he's definitely number one on my list. Who would you say is one of yours? Well, there's a couple of people. The first person I just want to say I'm happy is in the league is Derwin James. Yes. I, I just think I, that, I feel like I've talked about him so much. Well, I did not did put him on my story. list. I, I, I just think that Psalm he today. brings a level to the game that is just exciting and he's visually resting to watch and I, I just I love freak athletes we've talked about this and when I saw his combine numbers I said this is going to be a guy who's going to play at a high level for a decade and he has delivered so I God bless Derwin James uh, my number two not surprisingly is Quentin Nelson yeah that's gonna be your number one it, it took a little while what, to- I would have loved to have just taken Quentin Nelson first. I thought about it. Just say so you couldn't do it. it. You know, he didn't necessarily start dominating from the get-go. He was a fine player. He was playing yeah. well from the start. But what he has done over the past like three or four weeks is yeah. just insane. He is mauling people yeah. every single week. And while that's fun, and it's cool to see an offensive lineman that can create highlights, it's just because you don't normally see that. You know, Osemele was like that for a couple years where he was just physically dominating people so much that it was notable. Yeah. And that's fun for someone who likes offensive line play, but just what he's done to transform that entire Colts line, the way they pushed around the Cowboys on Sunday, you haven't seen that this year. Nobody's dominated the Cowboys like that. And even if Ryan Kelly is a part of that practically, I feel like just the injection of attitude that Quentin Nelson has provided, you've just seen what it's done to that entire offense. And it's fun watching him just crush people and have like six or seven pancakes every single game, it's pretty enjoyable for me. The prince that was promised. <laughs> is, that, is that Quentin Nelson? It is not. It is not Quentin Nelson. It's Byron Jones. Wow. This is big for you. Byron Jones. Long time coming. Byron Jones, best leaper in the history of the combine. Myself, Jerry Jones, 
I thought you were saying that it was Briar Jones no, and then no. you and then the Jerry best sleepers in the history of the Combine. No, I'm saying we believed he probably jumped a round and a half because of those Combine numbers. And everybody's like, oh, he's a workout warrior. He might be the best cornerback in football right now. In fact, through as recently as a couple of weeks ago, he was Pro Football Focus's number one cornerback. And I think the world of him, I think that he is one of the focal points of a, of a Dallas defense that's gotten them back in contention. So... I'm all in on Byron Jones. He's going to have a great career. He's put it all together. I wrote, I wrote, a, I did a profile thing of Byron Jones a year or two early. I did it last August. Just pretend I did it this August. I think I can do that. I think yeah. I can suspend that belief. Uh, my third one is somebody who is not in the playoff picture. He is not on a relevant team. It's kind of random. It's Kenny Galladay. He's he's relevant. Watching Kenny Galladay play this year. Yeah. I feel like Kenny Galladay deserves so much more than what the Lions' offense is. Like, that dude is really, really good. It seems like every single week he's just jumping over people, making ridiculous you're just, Randy you're Moss asking catches. Like, you're asking like he's playing in the Japanese league. Honestly, the, the Lions might as well be the <laughs> Japanese league at this point. Yeah. It, that dude, I just feel like if he were the number one receiver on a real NFL offense, yeah. we would mention him in a different era than we do right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I, he was on my fantasy team. And like that's, it's one of the reasons where you start paying attention a little bit more to certain guys. And just watching him week in and week out, it's like, holy shit, this dude is talented. Yes. Miles Garrett. Wasn't he there last year for no, you, though? No. All right. I'll give that to you. Dominant. His, also, his team matters now. Baker Mayfield's going to be on mine next year, even though it's going to be cheap when he's like one of the favorites for the MVP of the league. Denzel Ward, too. Speaking of Denzel athletes. Ward's freaking speaking good, of athletes. Browns are fun, dude. I am very excited about next year's Cleveland Browns, no matter who's coaching them, even if it... I don't know if I'll be as excited if it's Greg Williams. Sashi died for this. That's exactly right. I Just that Baker life, I'm really looking forward to it. We, we knew Baker. We knew, we, we knew it. Coming in. I think we both, like, in August, like, this dude is going to be really special. And it's come to fruition. There was a GM at the owner's meeting who had, like, five too many drinks and came up to me and said, who would you draft? And I said, Baker Mayfield. And he shook, my, shook his head now. I'm glad that dude wasn't the guy drafting. It was, not, it, was, it was obviously not the person who runs the Browns. All right. I, uh, I think that's all we got, buddy. It is. We'll be back on Sunday. I will not be here. We're sitting in the same I room. I will be that. in Orlando, Florida. I will be in Chicago, Illinois, preparing for the holiday, which should be great. All right. As always, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Ringer NFL Show on the Ringer Podcast Network. We'll be back with you Sunday night. <laughs>